So today, what about the church? And as you might imagine from the way I'm dressed as a, a priest in the Church of England, I flipping love the church. It is one of the great passions of my life. Uh, I became a Christian at university. Uh, one of my big frustrations at that point, not knowing anything about church or religion or the Bible or Jesus, was that um, the church was segregated into all these different denominations and I, I had to choose which part because I just wanted to be part of the church. But as I grew in experience and, and uh, went to different churches and found out more, uh, I kind of fell in love with the variety and the diversity uh, of the church. Uh, and uh, I love Roman Catholic buildings. Something about the Catholic Church, they make their buildings beautiful for worship. Everything that the eye falls on is there to help you to worship. Anglicans don't get that at all. Anglican buildings are so cluttered with visual things. Everyone, anyone that ever put a plaque on the wall, it stays there forever, distracting you from maybe why you were there. Um, I, I, I love the church. I, a year ago, I went to a church in Florida. It was a mega church. I love the mega church. Um, when Amanda and I were first married, one of our first holidays, we went to Tunisia. We went to a secret church. It was really hard to find out where the secret church met. And we knocked on the door and we said, is this where the church met? And, and it was a secret church. So there wasn't like a straightforward answer and I can't remember how we got in I think maybe we quoted some Bible verses or something something like that just to prove like we're not the police like we've just come to church we wanted to come to the secret church um, I've loved uh, I used to go to like Pentecostal like rave churches uh, meetings in London like completely off the wall meetings like you never knew when it would end it, they'd be worshipping um, all night I've been to I've been to silent churches where there's no music and nobody speaks for the whole of the meeting. It's a lot easier to plan a church service like that. Um, <laughs> one of my first jobs, uh, I lived in Coventry and I sang in a robed choir and our worship style was prayer book Catholic. And I love singing the plain song chants. If you've never heard of that, don't worry, but it's like a, a really old kind of, of music used in Lent and Advent in the build-up to Christmas. And I love learning the anthems and singing verses of scripture and, and, and learning to, to literally harmonize and be in sync with the other members of the choir as we were worshiping. Uh, I helped someone once start a church in a vodka bar. Uh, I once had lunch with a prosperity preacher that owned three jet planes because Jesus loved him that much. Um, I've, I've had tourists take pictures of me in York because they think I'm the Archbishop of York. I, because I, my office is next to the cathedral, so everyone gets that wrong. I've got a friend who once ran Alpha and then started a church meeting in a pole dancing club. I once had Holy Communion with five people in a phone box. I could go on. I absolutely love the church. I love its richness and diversity. I love how it's so different in England, but I love how it's so different across the world and across all the history of the church. There are so many images and pictures, ideas about the church in the New Testament, hundreds and hundreds, and I want to just pick out today just five that give us an idea and an understanding of what God's wonderful church is like. And the first point is this, the church is about friendship. 
Jesus said to his disciples at one point, uh, I'm, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Isn't it amazing that Jesus might call us friends? And I love that church can be characterized by friendship. Uh, the fact that it's really hard, hard here to start a meeting because people are chatting to friends. And if we take the dangerous move of having a break, I didn't give you a break, by the way, before some, some of you are so in love with your friends that you just needed to spend a bit of extra time chatting to them. But that's actually what church is about because Jesus said uh, our relationships together are characterized by being friends. And the word in the New Testament that describes that is the word koinonia. It's a difficult word to give its full weight to the depth of what it means. It's, for example, the word that's used to describe the marriage relationship. A depth of relationship that cuts, uh, that, that's deep and connected. And this koinonia love, it cuts across uh, age and ethnicity. It cuts across your background or your culture or your personality type. In so many aspects of society, we group together with those with whom we are similar, but the church uniquely makes friends from people who are so different in every way that people can possibly become different. And one of the things we notice on Alpha when people come is that they notice the outworking of that friendship. Somebody said to me on the Alpha, we were running here. I was just chatting to him, and I said, how have you found Alpha? And he said, it's amazing. Young people and old people are friends. Now, you might think, duh, that's so obvious. But that's because you take this as being normal. But even that simple illustration of life, that a young person and an old person might like each other and enjoy spending time together was evidence to that guest on Alpha that there's a God at work in the midst of this thing that I'm coming to. Um, and I'm so glad that G2 is characterized by that friendship. It's, it's, it's possible for services and church meetings to be formal and I'm not against that at all, but the danger of that is we lose that quality that Jesus calls us friends. Someone said this, there's two things that you can't do alone. You can't get married alone, and you can't be a Christian alone. And so, of course, an individual can say, I am following Jesus. But the implication of the true way to follow Jesus is that you do it with other people that you call friends. Pope Francis said this, being a Christian means that you belong to the church. The writer of the book of the Hebrews, he makes this point. He says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. He's saying this, some people kind of give up on the friendship of the church. They just want to sort of forge out something uh, solo on their own. And the problem with that is that's not what church is designed to be. The writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, don't give up on friendship. Don't give up on understanding what it means to follow Jesus, understood through the idea of friendship. So that's my first point. The second point is this. The church is family. So it's, it's the same idea, but probably even more. 
more amazing, that we are not just friends, but we are also family. We are the family of God. And the church is not an organization that you join. It's a family that you belong to. John, who wrote one of the New Testament uh, um, Gospels, wrote this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In other words, you're a child of God and God is your father. And then he goes on. And everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. So you can't say that you love God and you don't love God's other children because God's put us in a family together. And anyone that's been in a family knows sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes brothers and sisters don't always get on delightfully all the time. But nevertheless, being family together means that we overcome those things. Uh, that we find a way to make it work or that we don't give up because we know at some point that will come good and we know each other. And so all the different churches that there are aren't segregated. We should delight in the fact that there's variety and, and difference uh, and variation in God's church. And that we're not following Jesus on our own. That other people that are following Jesus are our brothers and sisters. So have a look around you. The people next to you are your brothers and sisters. Oh, you're also British. None of you looked. <laughs> Just imagine the people that might be around you. <laughs> they are your brothers and sisters. Deeply committed to you. <laughs> and, and again, people that come on Alpha uh, notice this. They notice the message that's written in our lives and how we live them often more powerfully than the message that's spoken and said to them from the front. My third point is this, the church is home. And I love the church because uh, this other word that's used in the New Testament describes church as home. In the Old Testament, the physical temple was God's home. God was said to literally dwell within the, the inner part of the sanctuary of the temple. In the New Testament, God's dwelling place is within the people that follow him, within the body of his church. So not, not a building, but we as people are the home of God, the place where God wants to make his home. Uh, Paul the Apostle says this, you are a holy temple, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. Jesus said this, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. In other words, whenever we come together, whether it's two or three people or two or three thousand or, or, or all the people that love God together meeting in their different groups at one time, then the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present with us because that is where God makes his home. And that's incredible. And sometimes um, people walk into a meeting, a prayer meeting, a worship meeting, a church meeting, a big meeting, a, a small meeting, and they uh, notice something that's powerful. They notice something that's in the atmosphere. 
And if people don't have a church background, often they don't have words to describe it. So they'll just, you know, it's just like there was an atmosphere or there was a spirit or there was a, a feeling in the room. What they're perceiving, what they're sensing, is that God is tangibly, evidently present when his church gathers. Uh, we might feel that when we're worshipping, but we might feel that when we're silent, when we're listening to God, when we're speaking with friends, when we're praying for one another. In any way in which the church uh, acts together, then uh, God is there making his home. Uh, this mega church that I went to in Florida, um, as you walked in the entrance that was as big as a church anyway, and you walked into that, and then as you walked into the room where they worshipped, there was an enormous sign written over the top, and it said, Welcome home. That's kind of the heart of what church is about. I've spoken to people who've become um, Christians, and sometimes that's how people describe it. They say, it felt like I came home. Maybe like the story of the prodigal son who was off and had lost the memory of his life, and then he just remembered enough to go back, and he came home to the Father. It's a picture of what it's like to know God. It's a picture of the church being a home. And the church is designed to be a place where everyone's welcome, where people can come and belong without being uh, judged, where people can be loved and accepted and welcomed. And so my fourth point is this, the church is about Jesus, uh, a living Jesus. Paul says this again, uh, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. He says that uh, Jesus is the head of the church and we are the body. So together, the head and the body, we make Jesus in the world. This is how Jesus is made known to the world. Jesus never wrote a book. He formed a community. He started with a small group and that small group grew rapidly. And 2,000 years later, the, the universal church consists of all those worldwide who've professed faith in the name of Christ. And, and his church is vast and enormous. Millions and millions of people around the world follow Jesus. We live in a, a, a bit of, we live in England, a bit of uh, Europe still, a bit of the West, where actually the church is seeing a massive transformation. But that's, that's, not, that's not the standard picture. In most parts of the world, the church is growing. Um, I work for Alpha, and we, one of the things Alpha loves is statistics. And we get great statistics from the West, but the best statistics are often from the developing nations and the, the nations like China that are, are kind of close to some aspects of the church. And what we know is actually we can't count all that's happening there. The infrastructure for counting it isn't so much there, but every time we see what's happening with the church, not just in Alpha, but in churches that are starting, it's kind of off the chart. The church around the world is growing um, rapidly. Tens of thousands of people every year are coming, and tens of thousands of people every day are coming to faith and discover Jesus. Uh, and of in, in our generation, in our society, the church is seeing a, a rapid change. It's like a second reformation, and, and, and the forms and the mode of doing church are shifting and moving from one thing to another thing. 
But if we see what's happening in the whole of the world, then we see the vibrancy of faith that is alive in God's worldwide church, that a living Jesus is living and acting through his church. And of course, in some parts of the world, the church is a persecuted church. Probably for many of us, you know, the, the most persecution we might get is people think it's a bit weird that you go to church on Sunday. That might, that's probably it's a first world problem. That's as hard as it might get. I got a funny look from someone on the bus coming in uh, this afternoon. That's my level of persecution. But in some countries, uh, our brothers and sisters uh, love Jesus to the extent that they may be asked to lay down their lives for him. In fact, it's said that in the last 100 years, more people, more Christians have been martyred for their faith than in all the nearly 2,000 years that preceded that. And perhaps it's not so surprising that uh, usually in the places where people are persecuted for their faith, often that's the places in the world where the, f the church is so vibrant or often uh, growing the fastest uh, altogether. And I've come to love all the different parts of the church. I love G2. We have a very distinctive form of church here. But let me just make a confession. It, it, it's, it's not the only mode of church that I love. Every now and again, I sneak into York Minster for choral evensong because I love it. And I, and I love opportunities sometimes when I'm traveling just to go to other churches, other groups that work um, in different ways. I love the fact that we do have the Catholics and the Methodists and the Baptists and the Anglicans and the Salvation Army and the Orthodox and then the Greek Orthodox and the Russian Orthodox and the other Orthodox and all the different flavors, hundreds and hundreds of different expressions and forms of people just loving Jesus. And the key for all that variety is just that we are united, that we're happy to be named as family together, that the church down the road are our brothers, our sisters, our cousins in Christ. And we need one another because we haven't got all the truth. No one's got all the truth. I haven't got all the truth. You haven't got all the truth. No, one's, no one can have all the truth. So we need, we need one another. And the, the church in any city, in any country, any point in time is like a, a mosaic and different bits will hold different key parts of the picture of who Jesus is. The full picture is only probably knowable if you put all the bits together to see them uh, all in one. And Jesus prayed, of course, that the church would be characterized by unity. He said, I pray that they may be one in order that the world will believe. Um, I read a stat recently, just a few random stats. Did you know that um, the UK churches provide more than half of the toddler and parent groups. The church has the biggest network of debt counselors. It has uh, one of the biggest networks of people who offer uh, counseling for free. Um, it, the church feeds hundreds of thousands of people every year. The church has its expression in our society. And the last point is this. I love the church because it's summarized by the word love. Uh, and perhaps that's the most important word to choose. Uh, Jesus sums up uh, what the church is about, but love sums up the heart of what the church is about. And when Paul writes um, one of his letters, he says this, 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he goes on to talk about marriage. But then he says, actually, I'm not talking about marriage. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so he's saying, look, uh, marriage is just like a, a tangible human picture an expression of something amazing and beautiful and profound, the relationship between Christ and the church. And mar marriage might be a helpful analogy. Marriage is an, an institution. But if you take it as an analogy, if you just have a, a marriage as an institution but no love, then it's dry and it's dead. If you just have uh, love without the commitment without the institution, the, the formality, then it's a bit random, it's a bit unstable. But if you bring together the love and the institution, the framework, then you have something that has the potential to be powerful. And the same is true with the church. I wonder if I can ask you, where are you going to be in your relationship with Jesus long term? And my advice to you is wherever that is, the outworking of that will be about being part of a church. Jesus loves you and he died for you, but he's called you to be connected to other people who have the same connection with him so that you can work that out and discover it together. Mother Teresa said this, you can do what I cannot do I can do what you cannot do. Together, we can do great things. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to talk to the people next to you, and there's a question on the screen. Why are you part of a church? Either this church, maybe, but why are you part of church? Why do you come to church? Why have you made that choice? Why next week will you be part of a church? So shuffle your chairs around if you want to. You've got a couple of minutes. Uh, say hi to the people you're talking to, and uh, let's talk about that before we uh, end in worship. <laughs>